Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and the Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Kyle Cook is a jack of all trades. He can play, write, produce, perform, and do it all well. Born in small town Indiana, he made his way through Atlanta to Florida to become the guitarist for Matchbox 20, who in the late 90s and into the 2000s sold tons of records, tons of tickets, and had tons of hits. Since then, Kyle has started a duo, become a solo act, and kept Matchbox on the road all at the same time. Kyle and myself have become great friends and have written a bunch of songs. Here's my buddy, Kyle Cook. All right, Kyle Cook. It's me. Hi, buddy. How you doing, buddy? Man. Glad to see you. Good to see you. It's been a long time. It, it actually it's has. Been a really long it, time. It, it's, yeah, I mean, um, but, you know, I feel like the times that we do hang out, like, and you're that kind of person that just feels like you just kind of pick up. Oh, absolutely. Right left off. Yeah. <clears throat> People some... can't see you right now, and if they don't know you, they would want to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling everybody. They would. If you haven't hugged what is essentially a wet sponge, I, then I'm your guy. Great to see you, my self-deprecating friend. Well, I call him like I <clears throat> want to see him. <clears throat> All right, so correct me if I'm wrong. You were born in Frankfurt, Indiana? That is right. Was that Frankfurt. a What? Yep, Frankfurt, was, Indiana. Was that a musical family? Uh, you mean you mean my actual family? Yeah. You're saying that the community? Um, it kind of seemed like you were talking about the community. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's all right. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. But not professionally. Right. <clears throat> but everybody played something. Yeah, like uh, my grandfather, uh, and and even more than that, there was a real genuine appreciation for it. Yeah. That it was uh, very. Um, palpable if that's the right word sure. from a young age like I, I can remember um you know as far back as church sitting and and my particularly my grandmother and my mom harmonizing together and they would kind of position me in between them and uh some of my earliest memories of sort of the distinguishing was like oh she can sing that note and right. she can sing that note you know it's really simple things like that but but uh and uh, my grandfather played trumpet when he was in uh, the military, um, and I always kept one around. He loved jazz. He loved jazz. Hated country. Well, there's not <laughs> he a hated lot of country. country trumpet players. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And But I guess that, you know, I mean, you think about the era yeah. as well. And uh, my dad, you know, he's a lot of law in my family, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad's an attorney. My grandfather was an attorney and then a judge. Um, a, lot of, a lot of my family went to IU. Okay. So, and, and my dad um, is, it was a huge Clapton fan, was always playing like classic rock and roll. And, you know, um, not a great singer. Yeah. Lo- love you, dad. But, um, but sings like, with the passion of somebody Absolutely. that doesn't doesn't care. Absolutely. Um, That's I what, almost cuss there. I don't know what the deal is here. Cuss all you want. Oh, okay. I always he say, sings with the passion of somebody that 
just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's kind of like that whole uh, dance like nobody's watching thing. Exactly. And so if he listens to this and he he should he should know that I mean that as a huge compliment because I, I would sing right along with him in the car, yeah. you know? And uh that in that 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 feeling was was one hundred percent there, and that, I think that's you know, maybe that teach out. you a little bit about dissonant harmony, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, he you know he actually has decent pitch because we would we would sing. Uh, there was this song he used to sing in the 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 um, the army that had to do with this, you know, and, and the uh, and there was a lot of shift and it sailed upon the sea, you know that kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. Sit down and will you give to me? And they sink her in the lowland, lowland, lowland. You know, that kind of thing. We would do that. Like, and it was, you know, um, it was like all these verses about like this guy that was in love with this girl, but on the ship and the captain would never have it because it was the father and that whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's like some sparring thing. Right. And then in the end, in the last verse, my dad knew every word to every verse. I remember I was a kid. I was just mesmerized by this. Was he in the but service? But of course. Yeah, he was in the okay. service. Yeah. He actually worked on atom bombs. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he said that, like he, it was amazing. I mean, Dang. he got to serve and he's, he's one of these people that feels like everybody should serve. Yeah. Which I haven't, but, um, well, not yet. Not yet. That's right. That's right. I'm building up my strength. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was kind of the best of both worlds. He's, he's an intellectual, and so I think he, he actually enjoyed that from a yeah. scientific standpoint and everything. But he didn't actually. Yeah, you know, he wasn't in the throes of yeah. the trenches. But um, yeah, like that's that's significant stuff. So I remember that she sank in the lowland, and we would, and I would find harmonies, much like I. You know, this is before theory and any of that stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, like I would sort of like come back to those church experiences with my mom. And so, yeah, really on both sides of, um, you know, my parents were divorced as long as I can remember too. So that's important to the conversation. So yeah, there's yeah. always kind of two homes that I had. Right. I was a every other weekend kid. And even though no professional music going on, um, yeah, there was a very uh, serious emphasis on harmony and the appreciation of melody and music and stuff in my family which is interesting yeah yeah along with your dad my my wife has that sort of voice but she loves singing okay and we'll be together in church and i always say that when god put in the bible to make a joyful noise into the lord he was thinking about you (laughs) nice (laughs) she knows that yeah so you came into your interest of singing and writing like from a little kid, you just had love of music. When was the first time yeah. you thought you would like? You started making up stuff. <clears throat> that's that's a good question. Um, probably, I'm trying to think what the end of elementary school is. Like, what's that? Sixth, sixth grade? grade? Yeah, sixth or seventh grade. There was a program that they were starting, which actually doesn't seem like you see that much. Uh, as much anymore. Um, this is back when like music programs were pretty funded. Yeah, it seemed like in America, or at least yeah. in my neck of the woods. And that's pretty interesting because it's it's a very blue collar kind of. Um, I would say in some areas depressed 
you know um mostly agriculture rural yeah 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 um but you know it's not a destination town you know sure. how that is you know it's like it's just kind of a rural i mean it's grown quite a bit there's a lot of factories a lot of factories okay. a lot of, but um yeah uh so the you know like like the program had a piano like I, like i go to my all my kids schools now it seems like no one has like pianos anymore it's just like it's hmm. there's no expense for it um and i joined the they were starting an orchestra program uh run by janet priest who uh was the teacher and she was just wonderful she was one of those people who was just um she just had that vibrance you yeah. know and that sense of wonder about music and encouragement and, and encouragement which is a nice and, thing and, and, yeah and it was inspiring <laughs> yeah. you know so i i um, so that's kind of probably where I started playing violin, but I was not a good violin player at all. Um, and I think it has to do with just like physically, like I could never figure out the vibrato. Um, and my hands seemed too big for the instrument. Mm-hmm. So, but nevertheless, I, um, would come up with little melodic bits and riffs and ideas. I would find myself sort of, um, getting distracted from, the the work at hand and you know and in between i would be coming up with things not really realizing i was doing that i was just like oh that sounds interesting what yeah the separation between these two notes and stuff like that um and then that led into guitar basically because i started holding it like this the violin yeah i started holding the violin like that because uh i i just i couldn't you know there were a couple i remember there a couple other girls that uh, the first chair, and I can't remember her name, but she actually had great vibrato. And I was like, how does she do that? Because it's like a circular motion. It's like, you know, you're a guitar player. It's very different. Yeah. It's completely different uh, creating that vibrato, um, which is so important to music, by the yeah. way. We could go down a rabbit hole of that sort of thing, of of the need for a vibrato in the expression of like music. Absolutely. But, um, completely different than guitar. Um so I couldn't get a handle on that. So I started like kind of making chords and stuff and playing like that. And then it seemed like this pretty natural to, to get a guitar. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it, it was, so what is that? Seventh grade? To Did answer you have, your question, <laughs> a long way around Did there. you have a, a guitar teacher or how did you? Yeah. I you did. did? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But I, my, well, this is interesting too. Back, to, kind of slightly back to the family thing. Uh, when my mom remarried to, um, and it's still married to Joe Snyder, um, I was probably just starting middle school, or it was right around that time. Honestly, they had been seeing each other for a while, but they had, you know, uh, and then they got married, and so we're, now we're all living in the same house. And I discovered that he had some guitars, and he's a fan of music as well. Um, he's an engineer, worked at Subaru and, uh, Alcoa, which is an aluminum company in Lafayette, Indiana, which is pretty close to Frankfurt. Um, that's where Purdue is. It's probably the closest big, bigger city, um, in that area, kind of on your way up to Chicago. And yeah, he's, he's a big music trivia guy too. So, um, I was just always surrounded with positive energy about music. But then I just sort of discovered that he had this acoustic in the closet. It was really kind of, I can't even remember if he mentioned it to me or if I just discovered it, but it had Stairway to Heaven, the the, tab, the tablature, or maybe it was the written music. It had the chords and I think okay. the written, uh, 
that it was just the chords and then the written melody just of the melody, stairway, yeah. yeah. And I was, he was able, I think he was able to teach me a few chords enough to sort of, and then the rest started, yeah, tumbling. Honestly, like it was, it just felt so natural, and yeah. I would just one thing would lead to another, and I would, you know, it was more of it was a lot, it was all ear at that point. Yeah, it was, it was like here's the thing, I can't really read this melody. But I can listen to Stairway to Heaven, and I've got the guitar, and if it's tuned right. properly... I can match that note. I, I can find that note, yeah. I kind of am torn, like on YouTube, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Because I remember sitting in my basement, and I would put on whatever, Ozzy or whatever, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. But I couldn't figure it out, and so to slow it down, my brother and I would stack... Like, I need a quarter. I'd stick a quarter on the stylus. Yeah. And then a nickel, and then a dime, and then two pennies. Okay, and now it's an octave down, and now I can slow it down enough to play it. Right. And now every seven-year-old in the world is a million miles past that because they can just click on YouTube and go, how did Stevie Ray play that song? Well, here's 60 different ways he did it, and all I got to do is try to watch his hands. You know what? And and, and a lot of... and we know uh, that many of our guitar heroes, maybe not people that the average delay person would know, but like some of some of our guitar heroes, like that uh, have have cut, you know, like in this town and L.A. Oh, yeah. and like session guys that mm-hmm. we know that are behind some of our favorite records, like Steely Dan and stuff. Yeah, a lot of times you can find those guys out there yeah. themselves talking about it, not just other players, but you know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's good or if the, if the struggle. Helps you appreciate it more, or but it, I mean, obviously the learning curve. I think I'm. That's my next thing, right there. You that's, too. That's what. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna spend all my time for the kids out there that want to. You know, I'm gonna give away all the secrets of the Matchbox Twenty records. <laughs> and, it's, it's for the kids. And the lighting is gonna be super cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the lighting is actually gonna be awesome. That's well, gonna be a big part of it. And I'm, I'm seeing you in sort of a gold lame Elvis jumpsuit <laughs> while you're doing this. Nice. I mean, just. I don't know. I could be, I could oh, be totally off. The most important thing, kids, is your string gauge. That's right. So here, That's gonna, right. This is what I'm going to show you. That's right. So how did you or why did you go to the Atlanta Institute of Music? Man, it was, uh, it was kind of an interesting. It was a, ra- a pretty random choice, actually. It really was. Uh, I think... To that point, a little bit in that time period, there weren't a lot of op- you didn't have the internet options, right? right? It was like, yeah, you know, my mom got me a subscription to, um, you know, it was either Guitar World magazine or, yeah, whatever, whichever one it was. Probably I think it was it was probably Guitar World player. Yeah, I think I had probably yeah. all of them, <laughs> um, because that's before I I got more involved in theory and learned how to read. Um, uh, both bass clef and treble clef. Right. So now I can kind of I can get um, like I love Debussy and I've tried to challenge myself a little bit, learn a few Mozart pieces on piano. And, oh wow. Um. Yeah, and I don't. You know, I play it okay. It's hard, but it, it's tough stuff. Yeah, but it's it's cool. I like the challenge of it. Yeah. But in you know, but in that, in those days, it was all ear and a little bit of I could read a little bit on the treble clef that I had sort of left over from violin. Um, so it was all tab at that point. Yeah. So guitar player, guitar world, all that stuff. It was all about like listen to my favorite 
ACDC riff and looking at the tablature to find out more yeah. more precisely how sure. they were playing it. You know? Yeah. And probably at that time, Van Halen was a big part because Van Halen's stuff was very tricky to kind of pick yeah. out here. Yeah. That's probably not a good comparison to put uh, Angus and, and him in the same sort of kind of category, even though equally cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was in that phase, and in the back of one of those magazines was Atlanta Institute of Music um, advertising. And if you remember GIT. Absolutely. Right? I can't remember the, the gent's name that started that, but so Knight Driscoll is 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 the president, and I kind of I think be, believe he was the founder of uh, AIM, okay, Atlanta Institute of Music in uh, in Atlanta. But I think he was working at GIT under this other guitar player's name that founded that. GIT was pretty high profile, it seemed at that time. GIT had because it was in Los Angeles. It was it had you know, two or three different campuses, and then they had yeah. BIT and also I oh, think right. PIT, which was percussion. Does it still I exist? I think so. Okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, um, I know it does because I know like Paul Gilbert. When Paul Gilbert, yeah, when yeah, he's home, sure. he'll go down yeah, there and do and, clinics and, and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I was really into Paul at that time. Oh, man. And, yeah, um, so he, he was a little faster than me. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I had, you know, sort of a Ungve Malmsteen phase oh, that dude. sort of grew out of this, Absolutely. you know, classical period. There probably was a time where I was ashamed to say that, but but now it's just kind of a part of my history. Yeah. Um, where I, but that, yeah, where it was that kind of thing. It was just like it was like this, this. I mean, Chris and Pilateri, all these. these oh, dude. I mean, wildly gifted um, uh, uh, technique oriented yeah. players, Steve Vai, you know, stuff. Um, so technique was overriding at that time. Anyway, that, I, I digress. Um, it was, yeah, the back of like Guitar World magazine. I saw the ad and it was as simple as LA seems a little too far away. Yeah. It was kind of, I think it was about that simple. And, you know, my parents probably were like, um, would have preferred I went to like a music program at a four year college. Yeah. But I knew, man, that I was not going to survive that. Yeah. I was just not going to survive the studies. And I think it was probably the, you know the best thing I ever did for my parents was not waste their money, sure, um, on on shit like that because um, I would have gone and just partied like everybody else does on their, their freshman year and sophomore, you know what I mean, and uh, flunked out of chemistry and everything else it had nothing to do with where my horse blinders were yep. headed. So Absolutely. that's that's why it was kind of that's why it was the right choice, but it was literally as much of a you know, like I'm miming being blind and just like moving my my <laughs> right. finger around. You know what I mean? It was it was because it could have been it could have been in uh, Ann Arbor, right? A school. You know what I mean? It was just it grabbed my attention. I was like, look, oh, look, hey, mom, I'll go down to Atlanta. Check that out. It's it's like, not it that looks far. like a bunch of not that far. Yeah, it's like you know, it's close to Florida. It's kind of warmer down there. It sounds cool. Warmer. Atlanta seems cool. So that's what it was. And so I don't know how to. Matt Serletic? Serletic. Serletic. Yeah, yeah. So he, you met him through the president of the college, is that yes, right? Yes, that's right. And he, like... So the school ended up being a very significant move. Um, obviously, there's no way to, to have known that it would be that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Serletic was kind of on the heels of a couple really big collective soul hits at the time. Oh, yeah. Okay? 
he did that first record. They did it really cheap, like in his apartment. Wow. It was that kind of thing. Um, you got to figure Pro Tools, the digital workstation oh, thing man. was not, not even much close. of a thing then, no. you know? Um, not many studios were outfitted with it. You know, they did that whole record. Like, he programmed all the drums, you know, like he and Ed, yeah. basically, I, is what I'm told. Maybe a few overdubs, I think. Um, I That's think Ross crazy. was the guy's name, was the lead guitar player at the time, came in, okay. played a couple guitar leads, and that was kind of it. It was like a programmed record. Well, they ended up selling like, you know, I had Shine on it. Yeah, and they ended up pretty selling, well. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, plat, over platinum, maybe yeah. double platinum. Then they followed that up with another double platinum record, um, of which was kind of the, here's the big produced Atlantic Records funded. Right. Right, deal. And he was just on the heels of that. Yeah, and he, I don't know how he got wind of the, the school, but he called up there like, hey, I got this, this band, Tab of the Secret, in Florida. Um, and, you know, I think they got some great songs. I think they got a great vibe, but I don't like, you know, I don't think the guitar players are right. I don't think the band's right. I want to try to get in there and produce a demo for these mm -hmm. guys and reconfigure the band. And, you know, and Knight, you know, according to Knight was just like, I, I, I got your guy. I know exactly what you, because he was looking for, you know, Counting Crows was kind of like, uh, which was great, yeah. by the way. We can get yeah. to that. We got to tour with that with them last right. year, which was a, was a huge pleasure of mine. Yeah, and I know Rob's too because he's just such a fan. And it's like I grew up, you know, I feel like I grew up, you know, covering uh, Mr. Jones and, oh, sure. and bands. So for us to get to tour with them was was kind of a cool life goal that I didn't expect to happen. But they were huge at the time. Yeah, and music did seem to be taking a little bit of a. A turn from Seattle, the grunge thing, uh, yep. this kind of darker... Stand there and stare at your shoes. Yeah, yeah. harder hitting, like the themes were really heavy. Yeah. Um, and the music was really heavy, you know? Um, oh, dude, you listen to uh, Not even Chains? just like guitars being distorted, but just the way, you know, like, the, um, you know, it sort of ushered in that era of, you know, girls... You know the, the energy coming from. I mean, you know, so much of that band came from the energy of Dave's drums. Oh you yeah, know? and and, uh, and Pearl Jam, Allison Chains, Allison Chains, and so it was very propulsive kind of stuff. And she might count Queens Rack, Queens Rack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, mind crime and whatnot. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and. And so, and I know all of us in the band were really inspired by that stuff. So, but we were coming out of that huge explosion, right? So, hair metal got knifed in the back by, um, yes, you know, by uh, you know, uh, Seattle and, and yep. uh, Eddie and everybody and friends. Yes. And, you know, and now we were seeing this sort of like folkier movement, it seemed. You know, and Matt, you know, Matt has always been, and Matt's a really smart guy. He's a smart, he's a, he's a brilliant musician and producer but he's also very you know it's the reason he worked he ran virgin for three yeah. or four years and you know um because he's he's a he's a he's a business you know a, a bigger think about the business kind of thing so okay. i remember him sort of really having this grasp that um he wanted to he wanted the band to he, he didn't want us to emulate counting crows by any means but he understood that you know there was this there was this folkier movement that was starting to um, kind of occupy the, the airwaves yeah. again in a less, um, 
like a more relatable if that's if that's a yeah absolutely more relatable kind of uh, lyric lyrical perspective and maybe simpler simpler changes a little bit and a wider uh, range of audience right right and um so that's yeah so that's yeah so he talked to to this guy knight and and i always credit knight you know for you know, and I always tell people to go uh, check out AIM because it's still kicking. They moved a couple times, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, the school's still kicking ass, and they've kind of, you know, they're moving their program in the right direction for to be on the right side of history. Which yeah. is a lot of, you know, a lot of producer kids are coming in and they want to, you know, be able to create things on their laptop. So they have a whole, oh yeah, the, you know, that's a big part of it, as it should be. Yep. Um, but yeah, I always had huge props for Knight because Knight was like. You know, I, I, you, you know, you, you want this band that's got, you know, you've got this band that's got these these great songs, these singable choruses, these, you know, um, and you want a lot of harmony. And he's like, you know, I feel like this is your guy because he's a, you know, he's he's a tasteful guitar player. He's going to give you what you want there, but you know, bring a vocal uh, yeah. quality that Matt was really looking for. So, to my understanding, that's what Knight, that's what Knight kind of reiterated to me, and then. You know, next thing I know, there's an audition being set up, kind of by Matt in Florida. Because uh, Matchbox was in Florida. I think right? the first one was actually in Atlanta. Oh, oh, just for Matt. Because the guys at oh, um, okay. Well, he, I, he was given some demo tapes okay. that I had done, like just some kind of rough, yeah. Some songs of mine or some covers, and I think Knight may have shared him some videos because they videotaped a lot of stuff. He may have shared him some videos of stuff that that we did. It was mainly a performance based program, Atlanta okay. Music. I mean, there was, you know, there was reading material and stuff as well, but it was in, on the theory end. But that's what they really wanted to do. They wanted to get bands up on stage because mm-hmm. um, they had a bass and drum program too. Okay. So there was, you know, like there was plenty of uh, musicians of all. Um, different levels and, and so instruments to, to put on stage. and so they would take a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer yeah. and put you guys together and see yeah, what happened and then, kind of Right, thing? and then uh, the instructors would put together a variety of different, like um, they started, it was, it was kind of cool though. I think it made sense the oh, way yeah. they, they went about it. Um, so like in the guitar player program, they kind of started with Chuck Berry stuff. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you know, and and... You'd have to learn uh, a few of his actual solos. So if you're doing Johnny Be Good or, um, you know, like maybe the first section, you would take, you know, they would sort of grade you on how how well your um, interpretation was right. of, of his, uh, you know, the, the execution, I should say. And then, like, say the next solo section would be more of like just cut off and beat you. Yeah, and that was sort of a portion of that's it. So, cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was good to get a little structure, but also, you know, um, get encouraged to improvise and be creative, you know? It's amazing how many young people now don't know how to improvise. Yeah. Or if they come from a classical background. I wrote with this girl who was classically trained in a violin, and so we were writing, me on guitar and her on violin, and I said, take a solo, and she just looked at me like deer in the headlights, like, like... what if I don't? But I don't know what the notes are. I don't know how. Yeah, she goes. I need something written. Oh down. yeah, and like, you know oh, what? I never man? thought about that. I uh, it was exactly what I needed because the jazz would the one thing that I think that musically um, 
the biggest thing that that school provided for me was an introduction to jazz oh, in cool. a really cool way. Like um, they gave you a turtleneck and stuff. <laughs> And an espresso machine. You get an espresso machine. Sunglasses, twenty four seven. I think espresso machines existed. No, Sanka. Uh, well, they did. They just you just couldn't get them at Target. Right. <laughs> they had giant tubes. And had to order from JC Penny. Wait till um, Christmas to get it. Right. Um, yeah. So um, the yeah a lot of what i like i had a i had developed my ear to a good place to where you could play me something and i could come up with stuff and it wasn't like i wasn't creating things yeah um but i could mimic people well sure um and and after learning a bunch of stuff and picking up some things from you know uh guitar world tablature and stuff i was in a pretty good place so i i mean i could improvise but i was um I was exhausting tricks really, er, you know, way too early. Yeah. And jazz um, exposed me more to the chromaticism of what music truly is, and it's uh, and makes it much more boundless. Did that help because you? Because in- your, your, your control of rhythm. Yeah. Within the spectrum of different notes, depending on what beats you stress or don't stress, really kind of opens up your oh, yeah. improvisational. Did that help you in a? matchbox sort of setting or was matchbox a little more yeah. i don't want to say down the middle i don't even know how to, what i'm trying no, to say yeah but. i mean i well yeah i know it's weird to say i you know i was deep into jazz and then matchbox 20 happened you know i mean it does seem like an odd thing to say but but if you listen to maybe on the first record mm-hmm. but if you listen to the second album mad season right um you see that you see all of us really kind of um opening up musically and exploring a lot more I mean, there's indian textures there's some sitar on that record um you know uh there's if you're if you're gone which has got the sort of like chicago-esque like horn section mm-hmm. in it um yeah so i think it helped me from an arrangement standpoint when we went in you know, because the the songs Rob had written for that first album, and still, man, to this day, people call it their favorite record. So yeah. it's like you know, well, I mean, it I, sold it does, what twelve million? I mean, yeah, come on, thirteen, but who's counting? Um, <laughs> uh, but I got uh, some old information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but but um, so economical, right? Yeah. Um, so the trick there was, and the songs are great; they're so singable. And um, were those all easy, easy to retain? Right? Were those written before you joined yeah. the band? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, not all of them. I'd not say all? about okay. four or five. There was a demo that Matt gave me, um, and I, I think actually only one off that demo. Three AM was the only thing that, and really three AM, which is we could get into that. I suppose um, the reason I joined the band. I think I think that song yeah. gave me an indication that. Um, there's some great stuff bubbling under here. Yeah, yeah, and that you know, and, and that Rob really just had a great sensibility about um, his voice, and I don't mean just his singing voice; his his, his voice as a writer. Yeah, um, an ability to connect with people on relatable with relatable line, you know, lines and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. she thinks that happiness is a mat that sits on on her doorway. I remember that really standing out. I was like. Yeah, that's that's channeling that's, cool. that's channeling some shit right there. Yeah, in a in a, but in a, because you know how like you know, 
you can you can write lyrics that sound like Kansas songs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes, I do. Or or you know, like uh, Robert Plant at his worst, I suppose. You know, you know, you're talking about the hammer of the gods. And what rhymes with Mariadoc? Lightning, right? You know, yeah. it was like very well read, kind of <laughs> yeah. like you know, uh, not a <laughs> Mariadoc. Oh man, yeah, you're like you not know, so, all poems are good songs. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um so I guess in in a sense that uh yeah, I heard that that line just it 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 um was so conversational but yeah. but poetic at the same time and didn't feel like really forced. contrived and forced yeah. and stuff. So Rob was really great with that. But that but that record um I think the school and the where I was at theoretically and 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 um, musically, yeah, I think I was like really overqualified to play those songs. Mm-hmm. It sounds arrogant to no, say, but I think it's the truth from where I was coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, it was an exercise in restraint, in a cool way. Yeah, you know? and and I and I learned a lot from the guys and Rob and Matt. Uh, I think Matt and I were a lot more in the same mm-hmm. world. He played, uh, I think, French horn. He had his master's degree, so he was oh. much farther down the line uh, from an education standpoint. But we would talk about like Mahler symphonies. Like I'm a huge, you know, composer fan. Um, And you know, we we could sit there and chat about that in the control room. And the other guy and the guys would be talking about like, uh, you know, the Hooters, some Hooters song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was an interesting dynamic, right? Like they taught me things, and and I uh, I would I would turn them on to things. But there was kind of some camps, and um, but also I mean having a guy like Matt believe in you having these songs that you know are great i mean like you also had your eye on the big picture and you were looking not just to the end of this record but five years or ten years down the road yeah and just saying we don't know what can happen yeah 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 right so your restraint you knew would be rewarded and also you know i'm in a freaking band i'm gonna get to do some stuff well you gotta i mean like also you think about the time, right? That we were yeah. talking about. Um, you know, like I can kind of timestamp it by by saying, like, I remember when we first started. So, you know, we made the record. I think primarily financed. Uh, well, we we made some pretty high end demos, primarily financed by Matt because he had some money kind of mm-hmm. coming from the Collective Soul thing. And then we got an indie deal to make the record. But we didn't really have big distribution on Lava Records, which is Jason oh, yeah. Flom signed us. That was an Atlantic, right? Right. Lava, and yeah. Then, right. But we, you know, Atlantic didn't really get on board until radio started responding, honestly. Right. Um, and then they saw dollar signs, I believe. And, you know, we're like, uh, thank you, Jason. We'll take that band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then they, you know, they helped take the rocket ship yeah. straight out of the atmosphere, obviously. Um, but you know, you figure. I remember some, you know, some A and R guy taking us to Hootie and the Blowfish, and they were the biggest band practically oh, in fucking America at that yeah. point. You know, um, but you think about the kind of you know, and I remember standing there, and it was like a stadium in like North Carolina or something, wherever we were at, you know, or South Carolina, and I remember thinking, it's not going to get any bigger than this, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, we're side stage in a stadium. Well, two three years down the road. Who's dropped? Yeah. You know, I mean, they got dropped. And so I, that, I started, that kind of uh, blew my mind a little bit. I'm like, okay, 
you know, and I've thought about that often as the band has evolved over the years. I think that mad season record, if I can get back to that, is one of the things that um, uh, the fact that we've kind of not, you know, that we did, we, we are the kind of band that doesn't necessarily, that tries not to, that really makes an effort to not repeat ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think if you listen to our catalog, you, you, you kind of see that. Um, oh yeah, your music fits to me in four or five different formats. Yeah, if we would if we would have made yourself from someone like you too, right? I think we would have gone the way of Hooting the Blowfish. Yeah, you know, um, we had to evolve, and for us that was you know embracing man a lot more blues, a lot more jazz, a lot more uh, you know uh, more vivid like instrumentation. Yeah, there was strings on that record. You know, there, there was there was horns, there were strings. Um, a lot of people would accuse it of being overproduced, but you know, it was a kitchen sink kind of record. It was like, this is what these guys can do. And I, but I think it was the right move, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. We went on mad season more than you think you are yep. exile on mainstream, which is one of the greatest titles of all uh, time. Like <laughs> and then North, which yep. debuted at number one. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty you guys have been were nominated for American Music Awards, Grammys, MTV Video Awards, People's Choice Awards. I mean, you guys, that's it's, it's a really big band. A lot of nominations. Yeah, I noticed that too. You, you noticed that? <laughs> Not yeah. a lot of acceptance speeches. Yeah, 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 I don't have any of those, unfortunately. Rob does. <laughs> Fucker. Well, uh, at, at, no, I, I, we, you know, we had, um, we had. Yeah, the, I remember uh, we were up against, uh, we lost uh, the Grammy. I mean, that's kind of a thing. There's two things with me. Actually, three things with me that I'm, I'm sort of at this point that I've, I won't feel complete, you know. And, you know, like, you can't you can't lay me to rest. Football you know, Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. Football Hall of Fame, of course. <laughs> um, you can't lay me to rest until, um, you know, it's, I've won a Grammy. I've been on SNL. And I've been on the cover of Rolling Stone. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that one hurt. The Grammy thing hurt. Yeah. And um, you know, so um, for album of the yeah. year or was it single or? It was. I was something like pop. It was for Unwell. It was for the song okay. Unwell, but it's for like pop duo with Vogel or you know, it was like one of those. And yeah, uh, I think it was the Wallflowers. And the, I can't remember what the other category was. And that was uh, uh, no doubt. But um, hey, man. You know, it's we've been recognized. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. They always say like, you know, just to be nominated is enough. It's like, yeah, eh, no, it's I not. Know. <laughs> I know exactly. Whatever. <laughs> I've I've had a blessed life. It's absolutely nothing, nothing to complain about. Dude. So. so it was around that time that you decided you'd had enough, and you left. And is that when you started Rivers and Rest? Oh yeah. Um now, were you I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Were you already in Nashville? No, was it at the mad the mad season point or where are we jumping to? More than, uh like before you like when you left the band. Right. That was after North. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I was already in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was already in Nashville. Um Was there any ever any idea of maybe going New York or LA? Yeah. Or was it always Nashville? Yeah, it was there was. Yeah. Um I, it still kind of crosses my mind from, from yeah. time to time. Um, I feel like it'd probably be more of a Los Angeles yeah. resident. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could. I don't think I could deal with the 
with the traffic and the pace and the um I'm with you. Uh, you know, and and the expense of it and you know, I I'm in a great position right now where I'm close I'm, I'm pretty close to most of my family. Yeah. But far enough. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it was yeah, it was right around the time after North and man, we were just we weren't communicating at all. Yeah. I mean, we just just weren't, you know, and emails were going unread and unresponded to, and you know we we're we we're lying stagnant, you know, and you know, and still, I mean, I feel I'm I'm in a much better place with the guys and with and 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 um than than I ever was before. So we've sort of worked all that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there was, it was a time when I felt like, you know, there was a hiatus was just lingering on and I was just, uh, I was going through a lot in my personal life that Mm -hmm. definitely like, um, informed, you know, I was just an angry guy, Yeah, you know? And when I wasn't getting responses to certain things that I felt like were kind of simple questions, like, are we going to still do this? Like, right. I mean... You know, I, don't, I don't remember how many years had gone by since since that, but I was just like, are we even a band anymore? Like people were just coming up to me. Um, people would say, ask me in restaurants, you know, people would ask me online. Like it just seemed like the assumption was we were no longer a band. Yeah. What are you doing these and, days? Yeah. Well, and yeah, I was getting kind of angry about that, yeah. you know, and, 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 uh, and it was kind of the not knowing that was really getting upsetting. Cause I'm yeah. like, I'm kind of like, okay, do I need to take a, a gig with you know, and I, and and I still do from time to time. I go out and play with John Waite, yeah, um, and he's great, and that's been, that's been a wonderful experience. And I'm a fan of his yeah. too, so that helps. Um, but I was I was starting to ask myself like, should this is this where my life is now? Should I be focused on doing the sideman thing and kind of or and or um, really spending more time producing records seriously and and trying to make a career out of that? Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, there was infighting and, and, um, disagreements and I was just, yeah, I decided that that's, that's, that's just where it, 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 the, 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 it boiled over to an extent. Um, so yeah, I was around that time and, you know, to, to, I think to Paul's credit, largely, I would say that he really kind of jumped in and tried to to save that, save the band, uh, which led to our last tour, the the last tour that we did with the Crows. Um, the opportunity was kind of pitched to management. Um, and I was, had, you know, left the group and honestly, I fully expected them just to kind of move on and, you know, and, and be matchbox 20, find a new guitar player and, and be matchbox 20. Um, but Paul was really like, you know, pushing hard to, 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 to re-engage the conversation with, with me and didn't want to do it without me and didn't, didn't like the idea of changing the lineup of the group. And, you know, um, and to Rob's credit and Brian's credit, they were really like, um, you know, like, man, what can we do? You know, um, that was then, this is now, yeah. let's not, let's not piss away something. So, I mean that was the general consensus. Yeah. I mean, if if I had to paraphrase the whole thing, I would just say that the general idea was, which I eventually came around to and agreed. Sure, and, you know, you could probably you can probably put me in the Ringo category of the uh, 
Why is everybody not, like not acknowledging me and my contributions? <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so you know, and and that was that, man. And and we've um, you know we brought it out. And, yep. And uh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad because it's uh, you know the, the 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 band and the music seems to mean a lot a lot of people's lives. Well, and, and we achieved something that probably none of us are going to be able to re. Yeah. Um, you know, recreate in our in our individual lives. Well, it's also cool that that band is so big that you can go off and do your solo stuff, or go produce a John Waite record, yep. and then every three years, even go, hey, let's go out and do forty sheds this summer. Yep, and you'll sell them out. Yep, with no new music, no new nothing. I know you it's know crazy, it's like? and it's it's yeah. Um, so, right. I mean, how fortunate are we? Yeah. You know, so, you know, I guess in hindsight, um, you know, there were a few legal and business things that we, you know, I don't necessarily get into yeah. specifically, but that I wanted to see resolved as well. And to everybody's credit, they were resolved. Yeah. Um, so that it, there was, there was some emotional stuff there, but there was also some business stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean it's it it really is pretty, you know, we should continue continually remind ourselves, meaning the guys in the band that um what we are able to achieve as a brand at this point it just doesn't Dude. happen very often anymore. Um so yeah, I think there's just a general appreciation that everybody came back around yeah. to, you know. And I know that, you know, it's tough Rob's been in a position where he he has um the best solo business, Mm -hmm. you know, and reasoned or, or, you know, the most reason to go. Yeah. If it takes four or five years to do another record, I'm in no rush. Yeah. You know? Um, and I get that, but at the same time, um, you know, being in a band is, is, you know, four or five people getting in a room, whatever it is and going, if we're all saying that this is, this is it. Yeah. Um, and it takes everybody, it now takes get, this village to, to make this thing happen. Now get and we're all going to look each other in the eye and yeah. say that, then we have to be involved. We ha- we all have to kind of go okay. be get, involved in the planning of... Yeah, get your calendars out. Right. Okay. Exactly. 2020. Yeah. Put Block it off, because we're going to go. Yeah. Exactly. So... All of that was a good thing in moving that conversation forward. And then we went on to have just everybody had a blast on the Counting Crows tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were um, myself. I mean, just everybody in the band would would um, would get up with the Crows. One, you know, one of us, if not several of us each night on some song. Yeah. And just sit in on guitar. Or, you know, Rob would get up and take a verse. And Adam and it was just, and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it That's was fun. like so. It was yeah, it was a good. It was a good transition from a lot of negativity and kind of a pretty dark um, situation to, you know, wow, look at this. Look at all these people who still want to come out. Uh, you know, uh, and fill up yeah. a shed and sing these songs that they. You know, uh, was the anthem to their absolutely man. collegiate experience or something yep. like that. We get to be, we get to be the sort of uh, the soundtrack of their lives, of, right? That's right. <laughs> so now, the duo Rivers and Rust. Yeah, you were also with that opening, right? That so 
Right. So sometimes you would play with three bands yeah. in a night. Yeah. It's kind of a long night, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, so when we kind of worked things out, so so I, so Sheila Marshall mm-hmm. is uh, was the other half. Yeah. Um, and I want to say Rivers and Rust is still very much a thing. Okay. I intend to keep that going and uh, engage with a variety of other female singers. I, I, I kind of want to take it in that direction where it's sort of a... That'd be cool. Ever evolving kind yeah. of yeah, like yin and yang, male female kind of um, musical project yeah. uh, that I guess is sort of based, you know, in rock, but um, but is you know it's just kind of it, it, it you know whoever the the collaboration is with kind of informs to an sure. extent where it's going. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I, I'm gonna keep, I want to keep that alive, but her and I started it. And um, I was producing it with my buddy Lincoln Parrish. Um, and I, I sort of hatched the idea. And then I thought of her um, right away because I had produced some things for her. Um, she's a singer-songwriter from Texas, uh, Houston. Okay. And I always loved her voice, loved the tones of that cool, yeah. scratchy, bluesy thing. Um, I think you guys sounded really good together. Thanks, man. Um, but coming from the pop rock world, you know, I wanted to I wanted to make it hookier. Yeah, I guess for sure. lack of a better, I wanted to make it hookier and make it a little more interesting musically. Um, I love the blues as, as much as anybody, really. Um, I mean, I I put on Howlin' Wolf. I'd say about once a month, you know, sitting out barbecuing or something. That stuff still. Yeah, it still lights a fire under me. Um, but you don't hear it on the radio much. Yeah, and but you know my my radio wasn't just my intention. Yeah. All right. So you have a new CD coming out called Wolves. That's right. That is on your own label, the Tennessee Recording Company. That you you own it with Mike Fiorentino. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. And another gentleman, Ben Shaw. Okay. Who's in London? Okay. Yep. So what do you want to say about Wolves? Have you been making it like quite a while? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been in the process for about 4 years. Um man, it's a it's it's a real cathartic record, yeah. you know. Um and I, you know I've kind of been saying I guess my line is that it's it's kind of record you you don't necessarily set out to make. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of album that you kind of have to make. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it was uh yeah, I mean, I, I think the easy, the easiest way to to, to sort of, you know, uh, encapsulate it is, you know, me sort of grappling with the end of a, you know, a, a seventeen-year marriage, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that was uh, colored, unfortunately, by addiction, and, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think song- I myself, you know, um, struggled through many of the years, you know, uh, you know, uh, with the band with excess, sure, you know, and I mean, I'll be the first one to admit I was a big cokehead in the in the like late nineties, mm. early two thousands. It was it was silly. It was just excess. <laughs> it was just silly. silly. <laughs> it was just silly. Um, and um, I think yeah, it was it. it it's taken, you know, um, and, and it was a big blow then uh, when 
you know, eventually we, we, we separated. And so I realized that a lot of this, this album was, when I started putting songs together, were songs that uh, were inspired. Dude, I think songwriting from a purely emotional place like that is better than any therapy, any anything you could yeah, ever get exactly. from somebody else. And I, you know, it was it was interesting because I knew that that's kind of what the record was about, right? But we hadn't we hadn't really ended the relationship yet. Yeah. So it was uh, by the pure nature of it, kind of needed to be shelved. Yeah, um, so to speak, or sidelined, and then when, when it finally boiled to a head, and um, you know we separated, I, I was sitting on all this material, and, um, and you I was go, just like, well, "What am I gonna?" You know, there seems am to I be gonna a just, thread running through this. Yeah, exactly. Am I gonna just, you know, um, <clears throat> am I gonna just kind of bury this and then kind of move on to writing? Summer Jams of 2019, the, the, the song you can't stop singing. You know, I mean, I was like, I felt like, and, and I was like, no, I like a lot of this material. Yeah. Um, okay. The, the, some of the themes are pretty dark and uh, refer to some pretty um, gloomy areas of my life. Well, but like, it's real, and it's. Um, we were saying earlier is like. Everybody's had a broken heart. Yeah. Everybody's gone through a bad relationship. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's very relatable stuff. I mean, well, that's what the wolves, yeah, it was, it was I wrote the song called Wolves. Yeah, I love and that song. it's a really short little kind of acoustic, almost what a lot of people would refer to as like a ditty or something, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't have like, uh, you know, it's got like four verses and, and sort of a B section. Yeah. Um, but I like it, but, but yeah, but, but not like these, these like really sort of crafted choruses, you know? Yeah. And I thought about throwing all that in when the thing was sort of written. Cause it's one of those things you just write in like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. I like all the syllables of those things. Um, what, what are these wolves I keep talking about? Yeah. You know? And why do, why am I so, um, obsessed with the, the symbolism that seems to be going on with this. So that's kind of informed uh, a whole journey of, of, you know, throughout these other songs that were being written that what, you know, what are these things? And I think they do, I think they represent the worst parts of ourselves. Yeah. You know? Um, And for me, that was, you know, excess and partying and, and, and um, generally making bad decisions. And, um, and you get kind of cannibalized by those those bad decisions, right. you know. And those are kind of the wolves, you know. But it's but it's also metaphorical. It can be, you know, the state of oh yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it can be a mental state. It can be mental health. It can be, um, you know, corruption in the government. It's a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it's like and and I like I like. I like poetry for that reason. So yeah. it was something it was something poetic that informed the whole thing. So that's kind of what the Well, the wolves was. are also amazingly interesting creatures when they're at arm's length. You know. Yeah. But those wolves will also the, eat the, you up. Yeah, let them. they're beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. they um um yeah, they they have a purpose. Yeah. You know, and you can't it's an inescapable purpose. I saw the 
album cover and stuff, which is so cool. Were you in the room with that wolf? Yeah. During the same picture? Yeah. It was um it was the photographer actually found it was, well, it was my idea and and a lot of times I um am not one that likes to be incredibly on the nose with with things, you know? So it's like, you know, if you shoot a video that you, you write a song you and I write a song called Candy Store and it's like right. I got a great idea let's do it in a candy store right. huh what do you guys think like I'm Are the, you, you know what I mean the same thing right it's oh crazy. my god it's brilliant um but <laughs> so we were talking about different things and we had done like we had done some shots in like a slaughterhouse and some other things but um it just felt like I was like well what what would it take to get a wolf? You know, fuck it. Let's just let's just you know. Let's do it. I mean, we'll see what it looks like. Yeah. And you know, and, unless it's like astronomically expensive, which it wasn't, amazingly. Was that um, here or in Vegas? Yeah, it was, or LA? Yeah, it was here. here. Yeah. Um. And you know, and if it seems too on the nose and it bothers us, and it's you know, then we'll just you know, and of course we loved a lot of the stuff yeah. that it ended up being. Um. So yeah, they brought it in. The trainer came in, and um, uh, it was. I, I think it's like it has a large percentage of wolf dog, right? Because I don't think that I think there might be some laws against one hundred percent. Well, what? first of all, it's very hard to, to uh, I think, to actually obtain one hundred percent yeah. because it's you know it's kind of just in the wild at that point. Um, a lot of them are wolf German Shepherd mixes. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. We didn't really get into all that, but yeah. I mean, honestly, visually, oh, dude. you know, that's in, and yeah, and the and the yeah. the photographer um, Greg Roth, who's who's he's fantastic, um, was um, yeah, he found he found um, I can't remember her name right now, unfortunately, but um, they found found it on Instagram, of course, right? Found 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 it on Instagram and was like, look at this, and here's the price, and we should do this. And I was like, yeah. I had, so, a, had a buddy recently passed away, but he had two wolves, and I said, "How much wolf are they?" And he said, "He thinks the male, which he called little man, he was about 130 pounds." Uh-huh. And he said he's about 90 percent. 90 percent. I feel like and I just. I said, "Do you ever? Do you ever?" Because he also had horses. Uh-huh. I said, "Do you ever worry about your wolves like taking down one of the horses?" One of the horses. Yeah. He goes, "No, not as long as you keep them fed." <laughs> I thought. That's that's right. It's true. Yeah, you definitely don't want. So I didn't know. I do remember her asking me not to um, look the wolf in the eye. Oh, because like, it's threatening too, directly because they can. Yeah, she yeah. said it's possible that that he would take it as a threat. Right. Um, and domination or leader and, of the pack. And, kind of and this was significant too. She had a um, kind of a uh, uh, a smaller lab canine uh, kind of support. Canine, oh, almost, because they're pack animals. They're pack animals, yeah. and you know she would always sort of like the 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 lab would kind of do the rounds of the photo shoot and the set and stuff like that to kind of you know what I mean. Yep. And then she would bring it in, so there was sort of like a sense of um, that familiar smells. And yeah, stuff. so she's like basically like greet greet the lab, right, right, um, and if. If uh, uh, wild or wildling or wild, or wild, I think it's what she called. If he comes up to you and sniffs and sniffs you, you know, just um, you know, don't don't be right uh, 
alarmed and, and startled and you could you know and if it looks like he's interested you can kind of pet him but otherwise just sort of pay attention to the lab so that was kind of interesting thing. yeah so she when she was set up the shot you know the 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 lab was always just sort of like laying on its hind legs like just out of the shot man just just kind of really chill and kind of i think keeping the yeah keeping the wolf um calm uh, calm yeah yeah, yeah they so can, it was interesting. It was, they can, it was quick, man. They it can was, smell fear. They can also smell urine, so try not pee in your Yeah, pants. and then there were a few where I was seated with it, and there were a few where I was standing together. And she would, um, she would do whatever um, she had to do to, to get the wolf either seated or in position and hand me the, um, the, the leash. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just... If it was just if he takes off, which he's which he never lasted more than ten, twelve seconds, but that's all they needed to get, you know. And actually, we got a couple really great walking shots because you know eventually he would just get distracted and be like, yeah. So he would never, we never get any shot much longer than ten seconds. But um, the, you know, that's that was the main instruction: don't don't tug on the leash if he takes off. Just just let him go. Let, let it out of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was thinking like. I'm gonna have nobody to blame if something if I get if I get maimed, if I lose a hand, or mauled, or whatever the right word is. Um, right, like I'm, there's no one, you know, because it was it was my idea. It was my idea, yep. <laughs> and I remember seeing that when they when they eventually pulled, you know, when she pulled up, and I was just like, oh man, this is either gonna be awesome or the worst decision I ever. Yeah, made. so it, it turned out great, and I'm happy with the shots. That's awesome. Yeah, what's your website? CowCookMusic.com. Sweet. Yeah. Would you mind doing my 10 questions with me? No. And this is just seriously just top ahead. Okay. And it's just it's right. quick and fun. Quick and fun. Both. Oh, there's so many jokes there. Yeah. So many jokes. I'm like quick slow and, fun. and funny-ish. <laughs> uh, What's your favorite book? My favorite book? Um, I think it's... I, I have to say Catcher in the Rye. It's a good it just, one. It just pops into my head. What's your favorite it, it, food? Pasta. Like, just pasta and a really good red sauce. I saw that pasta you made on the bus. Right? It looked good, man. Yeah, I'm man. trying that. I know, dude. I love me some carbs. <laughs> yes. They're not loving me as I get older. Oh, though. dude. What's your favorite quote? Hmm. That's, I mean, that's that's a tough one. I never really thought about that. Um, we can go I, on. Um, does the lyric count? Yeah. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make? Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. What was the first concert you saw, and how old were you? First concert that I saw? I think it was... I feel like my mom would have a better verification, but I feel like it was Rod Stewart. Honestly, really? I think it was like Rod Stewart at like the Indianapolis State Fair or the you know, Indiana State Fair or something like that. Was this rock and roll days? Yeah, it would have been before the American Songbook days, um, right? I was pretty... Uh, yeah. I was probably like 11, Did maybe, you? or 12, so I'm forty, almost 43 now, so... You went with your mom? Yeah, and did, my stepfather. Did she? She, she got... She got he got her some Rod Stewart tickets or just like her birthday or something like that. And then did, I tagged along. Did you think Rod was sexy? <laughs> <laughs> I did actually. 
It still haunts me. Yeah, it still, still haunts me how sexy that man. Wake is. up in a fetal position, just. Cold Actually, sweat. got to I, I got to meet him finally with um, um, with John Waite. We opened up. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he was he was really sweet and, and uh, very uh, complimentary of, of John too, which I know made John feel really Shoot really great. That he, he he called John one of the great English voices of of all time and everything. So it was like yeah, and he was he was yeah, and infinitely cool. Yeah. Guy like that doesn't have much to prove anymore. So why be a jackass? No, and it was it was pretty badass. I mean, yeah. like like I think before they you know before the band truly played the last note of Maggie May because he did something they walked off. He was already in a limo. Oh yeah, like on his way to a nearby airport, and you know I think the tour manager was like, yeah, Rod will probably have a martini in his hand and be you know twenty minutes in the air by the time. We get the damn backline broken right. down. I'm like, yeah, that's the way I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet, Bart. Yeah. See, yeah. well, maybe, maybe now. Maybe now. Maybe it's wolves. I'm just saying. <laughs> you see, I would rather have that than a Grammy. True. This is true. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, <clears throat> a, a Grammy doesn't doesn't. Doesn't get you a, <clears throat> doesn't get you a good buzz at like twenty thousand feet. Doesn't get you a jet, you know. Yeah, well, I mean it may, you know. But yeah, there's so many things. Honky Tonk won a Grammy for best country performance for Brooks and Dunn, and Fantastic. I was talking to uh, can't remember his name now. Doug, he was the head of Disney Publishing, and he was on the the Grammy board. Yeah, I said, I know I don't get a grammy but can i get a sheet of paper or an invite or something that says they want he goes no yeah yeah no i know i go but i said i know it's for their performance of this song but they couldn't have performed it had we not written right it. i know so, i mean right. it's kind of chicken and egg or hand in hand see you 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 and i share the same disease of yeah. like um grammy failure right there man yeah right there so close What's the favorite song you've ever written? Whether it was a hit or a single or even oh, not even song. recorded. Doesn't even matter. Huh. The favorite game's a tough game for me, I must say. I have to, I'm, I'm a man of many colors. <laughs> oh, that I've ever written. Hmm. I would probably say... The closing track on this uh, this album really comes back a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's called "Lead Me Home." Okay, and it's the the closing song of a four song like opus sequence that mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time on uh, composing strings for, and then got a great arranger here in town, Jim Gray, who's fantastic um, to really thread that through like four songs and oh, then wow. sort of closes. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just sort of a, um, kind of poetic way yeah. of, of helping saying that you'll be there for somebody to help them home if they've, uh, drank too much or yeah. done a little too much or on their last leg. Yeah. That's great. What song out there do you wish you would have written? I mean, it could be, Amazing Grace or Star Spangled Banner right, or w- w- um, whatever. Here Comes the Sun. Really? Yeah. Who did write that? George Harrison. Did George? Okay. Yeah. It co- comes to mind a lot. Yeah. Um, 
it was, and it was also one of the things that uh, mesmerized me about record making, or or um, kind of the magic of of uh, arrangement mm-hmm. when I was a kid and songwriting and arrangement, um, and the power of the two. Yeah, I should say when I was a kid because I remember hearing that you know, sun, 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 here it comes. Yeah, and all these cascading like organ parts and stuff i remember just being you know eight nine years old listening to it on vinyl my stepfather had a little record player in his apartment and uh he 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 had a pretty great vinyl collection and just being mesmerized by it man and going just what wizards make such that audio magic was (laughs) you know i mean seriously is that backwards right yeah but i mean it kind of was but that's the kind of stuff that also you look at that song, and it's not just verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's like there's right. sections that could be whole other songs that somehow he composed into one unbelievable song. That's true, and then yeah, and then like themes yeah. that kind of um, keep returning. So there's right. you know there's the verse thing, and then there's the um, it's a chorus, but it's almost like a post hook or something. Yeah, because you know? it's. Um, with that sort of major lift, and then the bridge is like this whole extended thing, but then there's a guitar riff that keeps coming around. And that's what sort of ends the song. So it's like it all connects back into this big composition. So I think that's got to be definitely number one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you've written with obviously some really big people. Who else out there would you really still like to write with? Um, that's a good question. I mean, so many, right? Yeah. Um, I think about that for a second. Um, Brandy Carlisle. Oh, okay. It's cool. Um, and really love what Jason Isbell's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, had an opportunity to see him live as well. Um, he lives out by me. Huh? He lives out yeah. by me. Um, yeah, as far as some, some more modern people. And then, you know, I mean, of yeah. course, you know, there's the there's the sort of dream list of... McCartney and yeah, Tom Petty. Yeah, and Keith and all that, yeah. but, you know. So if you had to be one, like a singer player or a writer or a producer, like what's, what's your favorite out of those? Hmm. I think I guess writer producer. Um, I feel like I became a performer. Don't get me wrong. I I, I like the craft of, of performing too because I think that's a you know, um, it's its own thing. Yeah. You know, um, and keep keeping people engaged in live performance um, is important. And there's it, there's a whole. You know, you could take it as cinematic. You could take it as uh, theatric as somebody like David Bowie, or you know, you can yeah. just be very genuine and just uh, focus on the musicianship, like like the Beatles did, um, with very little yeah, bells and whistles. Bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah. And, but they were so good that it didn't matter. Um, yeah. But uh, sorry, what was the question again? Now, which one would you? What's your favorite? Adam? Oh yeah, but I think, but I think the performing grew out of. 
a necessity to um, for it to want to for me to want to hear it yeah the way I want to hear it you know oh, what I mean right, right, yeah. does that make sense mm-hmm. so although I love like I love getting a group of musicians together and I feel like I'm good in that setting um, and I feel like I you know am a pretty diplomatic person so I know how to get people on board with with um, an idea um, yeah it's like I feel like that was you know if it was a chicken or egg thing that came first yeah um, and then the performance kind of was grew out of a necessity just to go well I, the only way I'm going to hear this exactly how I want to hear it is if I play this right or if I sing it you know mm-hmm. um, singing became kind of a necessity you know uh, as well and I feel like it's something that I'm, I'm continually getting better with but I feel like the writer and producer thing is just it's just comes yeah know, without a without a thought you know if you weren't in music what would you be doing I, recently I would say I mean I think in the, well in the last like decade or so I'd say culinary arts probably really um, yeah I really like uh I see a lot of parallels there between yep. um, flavors and foods, and I love cooking. Yeah, it's, and what you can do with that, um, you know, it's just it's almost the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and but before before I kind of got into the culinary side of things, I would I would have said and would put right behind that architecture because I love I, I just I adore architecture. Something cool about. I went to college Geometry for architecture and, des- yeah. design, yeah. And I also see a lot of similarities between music and architecture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the arrangement of space, yeah. you know, which is kind of what rhythm and... Absolutely. Um, it's production. A lot of music is, you know, intervals and stuff. It's just kind of the arrangement of... of balance. Balance of the space, yeah. So what's next? Um, what is next? Well, you know, this dad thing keeps me right, keeps right. Me rocking. Uh, I got one to get out of high school. So we'll, we'll, we'll focus on that on a personal level. And, uh, I'm going to tour a good bit the end of this year on the wolves record. I'm going to tour a good bit, uh, top of next year on the wolves, cool. uh, album. And beyond that, there's talk of, um, there's talk of another, some more, you know, Matchbox uh, recordings, and you know, uh, and also a tour in 2020. Sweet. Which would be a numeric um, missed opportunity, I think. Yep. We would all agree. Yep. And so it's kind of in the name of the band, yeah, right? Matchbox. It's, it's kind of like I mean, we really should just give it up if we miss, <laughs> you know, that sort of marketing. Someone would be to blame. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of exciting, and, and um, yeah, we've we've all kind of floated that out there a little bit on social media and, and other places. Uh, we don't have an exact we don't have an exact sort of uh, structured plan yet, but but I think we know that twenty twenty is just screaming. Let's I think do something great in twenty twenty. Matchbox twenty should do twenty shows. <laughs> See, there's there's really no reason to to end that kaleidoscope. You know, no. <laughs> we'll all get tattoos. Exactly. Right? Um, I think, yeah. 20 speakers on stage. I mean. Ooh, like 20 guitars. Dude. We should do, there should only be 20 lights. 
So right. it's going to be like 20 a, faders. So it's going to be like a club thing. <laughs> Let's saying. tell the sound guy only 20 faders, bro. Uh, be well, man, time. thanks. Thank you. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Um, and, uh, it's been a pleasure. This is, I, this is my first podcast. So thanks for podcasting me. Dude, I love podcasting. I, I mean, I love pods. So, and I love casting. <laughs> love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Thanks. Yeah.